Welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. I'm Delvin, a.k.a. The Dark Web. And in case you're new to the show, welcome. And let me tell you what this thing is all about. We are going for a wild, crazy ride, chronicling the awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, The Transformers. But I will not be going at it alone. Let's meet my chronicling companions. First up, a man, despite his lifelong love of comics, has never encountered Marvel's Transformers until now. And he wants to see what the fuss is all about with these robots in disguise. He is the founder of the Long Box Crusade. His name is Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Welcome to the show, Pat. Hello, Delvin. Hello, hello. How are things? I'm doing all right. Doing How good. are you? I appreciate you asking. So good. tell me something about your life. Well, recently I've been going on a road trip uh, with this in a, in this kind of van that I like. And we're kind of road tripping around here. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to... You know, I'm hoping that I'm going to get some money out of it. We'll see. I mean, I never know. I mean, I have your check. Oh, yeah. 25K, but like. Okay, we're road tripping. Oh, so then we're coming to your your location then. I mean, as long as the mission is a success. Yeah. Like. We'll see. Yeah. Well, uh, hold on. Hey, wait. I got to. I'm tired. Let's just pull over. I got to sleep. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take a quick nap. So you you can go ahead and talk to. To Jonathan and, you, and yeah, okay, you get you some sleep. And yeah, I'm gonna get me some sleep here for a right. second. Here, I'm just gonna hit this button. It's gonna okay. Yep, power down real quick. And yep. while that's going on, we will bring in our Transformers expert. He is the lesser half of Mary with Comics, the provider of knowledge. Jonathan Schaefer, Hames, and John. Uh, hopefully, you're powered up and ready to talk to me today. I am powered up and ready to talk. Pat seems out. He seems like no matter what, he would not be able to be revived in any capacity. No, you know, no, it's okay. It, there, it? There's a big red button, and That's I just like press just... it, and he, he turns right back on. What? Hello? See? Did somebody press my button? Oh, I what? was worried that like a tow truck would come along and maybe drag you off and you would be unable to. <laughs> no, no. That's, that's, that's totally something that might happen next episode, but not this one. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right, Pat, I'm powering you back down. Okay. John, is there anything else that you want to tell us about, you know, your life and your goings on and and (laughs) things like that? Well, it was just Christmas. We got through that. It was a fun time. It's kind of nice to be, you know, through all of that and through all the stress. In Transformers news, my lovely wife got me a Bumblebee. It was a recast of the original Bumblebee toy. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I have always wanted one. I never had one. I had all of the mini, the original mini bots, but him because he was sold out. And Fantastic. Was- I have gotten Transformers each of the past couple of years, but I didn't get one this year. I mean, I, I have a, uh, I, I have Prowl here, and I always get Prowl for some reason. It's like you know, like, are, I'm not a police officer. Are you telling me I should be a police officer? What's, I don't know. I don't think I have a Prowl personality. You know, but not up to me to determine that. It, it is up to other people, I guess. And if you notice, I didn't say hello to Maggie like she is off screen or off camera and not going to be on the show because she is here. She's here, folks. Here today. Greater half of Merit Comics, Maggie Schaefer Haynes. Hello, Maggie. Hello. Do you have anything bright and witty and effervescent to enlighten us with today? <laughs> um, I, no, apparently not. <laughs> that totally caught me off guard. I should have had something effervescent in mind. 
Uh, no, but things are pretty good. Christmas was a lot of fun. I got some nice stuff. And I wanted to do a shout out, speaking of Christmas, um, for my mom, because she put together this amazing breakfast for us for Christmas. That was really neat. She and my stepdad made us vanilla almond scones, English muffins, homemade lime curd, uh, cranberry preserves, and then she got us some clotted cream and a thing of summer sausage and a brick of cheese. Mm. And it was so good. It was very, very tasty. It was amazing. That sounds like one heck of a charcuterie board. Yeah, it was great. It was like one of my favorite presents I think that we got. It was the most British what's thing. A, what's a charcuterie board? I, I, I didn't. I didn't turn you back on, did I? Well, well <laughs> since you're talking, it, it, <laughs> it's like a board with like fancy meats and cheeses and mm-hmm. sometimes breads. Oh, that's a sausage and cheese tree. <laughs> basically except it's usually on like a really fancy wooden board it's a, uh, it's a yes. fancy like jared albrecht fancy or not that fancy yeah, okay. it's a different type of fancy but it's adjacent to that fancy gotcha and also pat charcuterie is french for wooden slate it's so it not like a sausage board it's not, but I just wanted to let that sink in for a second to see if I can get away with it. And it, it didn't look like I could. I was believing you. So. <laughs> I, I guess I shouldn't just ask the question that should maybe mention something that happened to me over the holidays. But it wasn't anything too fancy. Uh, me and the missus stayed at home and just uh, enjoyed each other's company over Christmas. And it was a nice and relaxing day. Uh, she did give me a very nice microphone, though, that I'm using now. So hopefully I come across smooth and clear. And if so, it's thanks to Miranda, who is an awesome human being. <laughs> and with that bit of buttering up happening, <laughs> the purpose of this podcast will be tackling all of Marvel's Transformers comics in order, starting with issue one and working our way to series end at issue 80. We will answer any questions that are brought up to the best of our ability and seeing how these books we loved as a kid hold up to our cynical adult eyes. This podcast is guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. So everybody, let's talk about some combiner robots and maybe a rat or two right after this promo. The Transformers will return after these messages. In a world filled with movie-themed podcasts, thousands speak their minds, shouting their opinions into the void. Into this terrifying world of sound and noise, a new podcast about movies dares to raise its head. Appearing on the Longbox Crusade Network, in association with Jeffener Present, it is the era of monthly Monday movie muckabout. Listen as people are challenged to see films that they have missed or failed to see. Hear their new appreciation for films from years past. Experience the discussions of film fans. Is the world ready for monthly Monday movie muckabout? Yes. Yes, it is. And cut. Perfect, Jeff. Great. So when are we going to start this show? Um, just me. This is my new show. I thought we talked about this. Uh, then why am I doing your promo? Because in reality, I'm an egotistical puppet master that uses people for his own profit and fame. Huh. Eh, fair enough. Da-da-da-da, monthly Monday movie muck about, watch a movie with me. We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we will be covering today is Transformers issue 22. And here is John with the cover description. 
Optimus points down at us from the corner box under the 25th anniversary logo, which is only one part of a 25th anniversary extravaganza on this cover, which all of the covers this month took part in, it being the 25th anniversary of the release of Fantastic Four number one. All the covers this month featured the title character or a principal character drawn like a portrait. In this case, it's Menasaur with a bright red-orange background. Bordering Menasaur on the left, right, and bottom are a who's who, or I guess you could say an ohatmu, of um, Marvel characters circa 1986. Uh, On the top, the Transformers logo and the More Than Meets the Eye slogan is a dark aqua with a metallic gray trim, which looks pretty cool. Thanks for that, John. And uh, yeah, let's talk about this thing. Uh, Pat, what do you think about the cover? I'm glad Jonathan told us what was happening with this 25th anniversary issue. I didn't know that all the other ones did like this little portrait, like he said. So I was kind of wondering why they kind of focused on Menasaur. So I'm really interested in that. This is kind of nostalgic because you got all those characters, all the Marvel characters going around it. So looks really good. The detailing, though, on his face really is done well, I think. So it's just a good close-up portrait that was drawn really well. Cool. Let's see. We'll go with the fair sex. Let's go with Maggie. Hooray. Uh, I agree with Pat. I think this is a pretty cool cover. It's not like there's a lot of action, but it's a really good portrait of Menasaur. And I like having all the other little Marvel characters around the outside of the border as well. So it's it's a perfectly fine cover. And I was actually flipping through some of the other 25th anniversary covers that came out at the same time. Some of them are definitely better than others. And I would put this one at towards the top with some of the more of the better covers from the 25th anniversary. Go ahead, John. I agree with these two. <laughs> no original thoughts here. Uh, because of the way these covers were done, and if you want to see them all, I found them all just, I googled uh, Marvel 25th anniversary covers, and there's a link to uh, the theleagueofcomicgeeks.com, and it has all of them. It's really worth taking a look at. They look pretty pretty slick, and it is a great nostalgia trip. But because of the way these covers were done, it's hard to get a definite finger on who the creative team behind it was. It's credited as Herb Trimpey on uh, Mike's Amazing World, so we'll go with that. Um, I don't know if this is Nell Yamtop's coloring. I hope it is because it's this is the best it has been. This uh, is a really good close-up that the shadowing, I really get a kick out of how well it's done, and it really looks like this guy mm-hmm. is menacing. So and I, I like that. I also like the, the color on the Transformers logo and how the the gray background kind of, it's similar enough to Menasaur's gray. It is split off nicely by that orange background. So it's pretty cool. How about you, Delvin? I'm more on the negative side of it. I remember the 25th anniversary and I get why they picked Menasaur because he was in the book. I guess I just, if they're going to do the iconic cover of, you know, celebrating the 25th, put Megatron and Optimus Prime on it. They're, they're the two they're the two biggest characters in the Transformers. They're the most easily recognizable. I knew it was Minasaur from looking at it, but do I think that a casual would know that that was Minasaur? No, I didn't know it. I didn't know it as a, yeah. until I read it. As a kid, I didn't know it even after I read it. I, I think my yeah. friend thought it was Megatron, and I agreed with him. I didn't know it until John. I had to ask him who it was because no. I didn't recognize it at first either. It's really good art. It's just an odd subject choice. Yeah, like, and it it fits the book because he was in it. But overall, I just think 
If you're going to celebrate it, may as well celebrate it with the big person. So, you know, in my just completely making this up head, it would have been a cool juxtaposition to put Minnesota in the upper left in the corner box and then put Optimus Prime in the you put, put him in the corner, in the corner and then put Optimus the, as the right. portrait instead. Right. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I see what you mean. I was misunderstanding. No, I agree. It should be. I, I would have put Optimus Prime or Megatron, but we got what we got. Yep, we got what we got, and it seems like it's not that bad, but we won't know that until we rate it. And if you don't know, we rate things here on Transformers Chronicles on a scale of 1 to 10, just like the tech specs on the original toys, 1 being the lowest and 10 being the highest. And let's start with Pat again. Pat, what would you rate the cover? Um, I would do about a 6. I'm giving it a little bump just because of all the little characters around it. Other than that, like I said, I didn't know who the port, who the guy was on the cover until I read it. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I see who they were doing. But, and I didn't know that they were doing these portraits for the 25th. So, given this, I'm, I'm going with a six. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll go with you. I think I'll say, uh, I'll, I'll put it at six because you're right. It's not a bad portrait and portrayal of Minnesota. I, the thing that will just, I'll forever wonder is why the heck they chose Minnesota because. I couldn't even tell you another time that Minasaur appears in Transformers, but we can talk about that later. I think, I think like John said, they were doing characters that were featured in the the issue. So now I can see why he's on here because he's the new guy that shows up Mm -hmm. in this. Yep. I agree. Uh, Maggie, what do you think? This one's kind of a tough one to rate because I do really like, the artwork. I just didn't know who the heck I was looking at at first. So I'll, I'll, kind of err on the higher end of things i'll give it an eight because i do like the cover i i like the addition of the extra superheroes even though that's that was part of the 25th anniversary gimmick kind of thing that they were doing but still it adds a little pop to the cover so i'll give it a solid eight i liked it and john what do you think i'm going to also give it an eight I, I can see why anybody would have rated it lower for the reasons you said i'm going to rate it based on you know what we have here mm-hmm. and as the portrait is, it's a very well done portrait. He looks, he looks very menacing. The uh, coloring and the shading is very great, and I like it. I also wish it wasn't Menasaur for the reasons you've said, but since it is, that's how I will rate it. Good job, everybody. Now we will turn it over to Pat with credits for the issue. All right. Well, thank you, Delvin. We're going to take a look at Transformers number 22 with its on sale date of August 12th, 1986, but its cover date was November 1986. Story is by Bob Budiansky. Pencils by Don Perlin. Inks, Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey. Colors go to Neil Yamtov. Letters, yeah. hands the fourth. Editor is Don Daly. And all this is brought to you by Mike's Amazing World and TFWiki.net. Back to you, Delvin. Real quick, John, is was that supposed to be like a mini hands? Do you know? Because it didn't even have that on TF Wiki. I had to pull that from the book. I was able to find no information at all about who it was. I'm going to guess it's a mini hands sort of thing. Yeah, maybe just four separate um, mini yeah. hands to letter? I guess so. So weird. I don't think I've ever seen a many hands on lettering, inking, right. yes, but not lettering. Cool. Also, um, this one was pretty wordy. There's a lot of exposition. Yeah. We also, Mike Carlin is no longer the editor. He has moved on to bigger and better toy properties for Marvel at this point. 
on his way to doing the Superman titles for DC. Mm. Uh, so we get Don Daly for a little while here. Nice. Okay, it's synopsis time. Let's go. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the The title of this issue was Heavy Traffic. The issue starts with Circuit Breaker breaking down the results of her defeat of the seven Autobots stranded on Earth after their Cybertronian battle on the Space Bridge. Walter Barnett of the III isn't really convinced that old CB didn't take down good Autobots. CB of RAAT doesn't give a D-A-M-N. It's possible I put too many acronyms in that sentence. Meanwhile, at the Ark, the Insecticon bombshell is sneaking around and finds an opportunity to sneak a Cerebral shell in none other than Optimus Aloysius Prime. It's possible Optimus Prime doesn't have a middle name. Prime is powerful, and so instead of the Cerebral shell taking over Prime completely like it did Ricky Vasquez, presently inmate 25784576 in Nevada State Prison, Bombshell is able to read Optimus Prime's thoughts which turns out to be a good thing because Prime is using the Matrix to recode and bring to life the Aerialbots, which means that through those same brainwaves, Megatron could bring the Stunticons to life, which the Decepticons conveniently had ready to go. <laughs> good thing for them. Prime also dispatches Skids to follow up on Donnie Finkelberg's lead that there were some Autobots that appeared. Using Wheeljack's Framstambulator and holding Donnie's 25k government check as incentive for him to cooperate, Skids and Donnie go off. But the Decepticons could hear this plan, so they sent the Stunticons to pursue. And since mid-mission, Skids transformed to save a human life, Rat is on the trail too. Keeping in mind that it benefits the Decepticons for all Transformers to look bad, the Stunticons first wreak havoc, then dispatch of Rat, but then protect Skids to make them look like they're all on the same side, which is all Circuit Breaker needs to eventually help the combined form of the Stunticons, Minasaur, attack and defeat Superion, despite Motormaster attacking her earlier. The melee ends, but Finkelberg, who didn't hold up his end of the bargain, is mad because he didn't get his check back and figures maybe he can recoup his money and make 25,000 more by selling skids down the river. It's possible Donnie Finkelberg is really the rat, am I right? <laughs> so let's talk about the book. On Transformers Comics, we take up Terms bringing something from the comic, starting with, but not limited to, goods and bads, and then everyone discusses. So let's start with Pat. Pat, give us something that you saw from the issue. I like how we get back to Circuit Breaker here, what she's been up to, uh, what her plan is, and that she's got a couple uh, circuits that don't actually get all the way to the motherboard, if you know what I mean. A little bit. Yeah, she's a little cray-cray. A little bit. I think. But it's good to see her. Um, I think they used her well in here and her abilities. I just interesting to see when she's really going to just go berserk and just start to fry a lot of other things coming up here. I mean, 
she did a little bit of frying in this issue, right? They told she a story about how the Autobots uh, wound up uh, as trophies on her uh, wall and poor Superior on there. He caught the brunt of a lot of stuff, too, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, she does have uh, a few screws loose, that's for sure. And uh, I don't know if it's going to get better anytime soon. John, what do you think? Oh, just a tag on what Pat said there. Isn't it great that um, she manages to, in her indiscriminate rampage, she still seems to be tagging Autobots way more than Decepticons at this point. For me, um, for a good, I really like uh, the art in this one, especially during the action sequences, which they managed to cram mm-hmm. in a lot of action. You know, they're two in two bursts, like one right away at the beginning. You get to see all of that, how she is able to take all of them down. But the Superion versus Menasaur stuff is pretty great. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is probably the best combiner fight we're going to see in this title. Mm-hmm. And it's all of the work that the arts artists have been do- doing so far with showing with using humans to show the scale differences of Transformers normally really pay off, which they do rather well in here in a couple of times with Motormaster. They make a point of showing how much he's towering over them in their vehicles. Mm-hmm. And then when they combine to become something even bigger and they're towering over that entire freeway exchange like that, even though it's not a splash page because they weren't in the habit of sticking a splash page in the middle of a story back then, but that, that's a pretty impressive piece of art to show the two of them squaring off and ready to go. More's the pity too, because it would have been really cool if that panel but it, and i think it was like a half page panel of menasaur and superion if that had been a full splash page that would have been so cool yeah yeah michael bailey talked about that a little bit last episode of where that just wasn't marvel style back in the 80s yeah if you you took this book and transported it to say 1994 you better believe that there would have been a splash page or two or possibly eight <laughs> uh, so yeah it, it circuit breaker probably would have had like you know a top that was like you know twice as big as it is and a waist twice as small i'm getting carried away i should go to maggie uh <laughs> what do you have about the book highs lows anything uh, you want yeah the first thing i wanted to point out um because it's been a, a minute since i was last on the show and there is like a, a kind of a whole new level of sophistication and complexity to the storytelling going on in, in this book. And I, I did read 21 so that I'd have some context for 22 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and this whole storyline that's cause you, you've got like Optimus and Ratchet cause Optimus is wounded. And then with the addition of the Cerebro shell from bombshell and then skids and Donnie Fingelberg, and then the aerial bots kind of have their thing going. Oh, what was, Oh, and then the missing Autobots as well. There's a lot of, things going on and that's just yeah. on the good guy mm-hmm. side yeah. i'm not entirely certain i'll be honest what's going on on the bad guy side i don't know what the decepticons are up to rather other than just like coming up with continual plot there's still a lot going on so what by the time i got done reading issues 21 and 22 i felt like i'd read a very small chapter book <laughs> you know like there's there was a lot to get through from the first paragraph of my description seriously let me read this again The issue starts with Circuit Breaker breaking down the results of her defeat of the seven Autobots stranded on Earth after their Cybertronian battle on the Space Bridge. Just stop there. Okay, that was (laughs) from issue 17. Yeah, that was a while ago. All the way until today. And uh, Bob even wove in where Optimus Prime, on the mission that they went to get the Combiner Tech, he suffered an injury. And because of that injury, which was still healing, mm-hmm. Bombshell, which 
snuck a ride on the silver boat from last issue was able to inject a cerebral was like, dang, man, that is a intricately laid out plot. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, he used a cut in Optimus Prime's shoulder armpit area to advance another story that was that was really well done yeah mm-hmm. i like the i like the the building the story building the the world building that's going on in these uh over the last few issues have been really good so absolutely I'm, something's gonna happen and, and i'm i'm looking forward to it plus you got bennett from iii too bennett you know and then you got finkelberg too. who's been around for a while and you're starting yeah it's just a lot going on here yeah, mm-hmm. Engelberg's been around for a minute too at uh, at Circuit Breaker, and yeah, like I, if anything, you guys mentioned about the fight between Superion and Minosaur, and they made a very good. It was almost like a action movie type joke that you would even hear in today's movie, where these two huge robots fighting, and Superion punches at Minosaur, who had like a makeshift shield of the road, and he's like, he just. Did he punch out an entire ba- bypass or something? That was pretty great. They're just, it reminded me of the old, a couple of old Fantastic Fours where Galactus just drops in on New York and Daredevil and Spider Man are in the background going, What are we going to, we're just going to sit down and watch this. I like that joke. I thought it was really funny. The pointing yeah. out the, in, no, it was, I think it was an entrance ramp. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. That made me laugh out loud. Comic books don't often do that. That got a chuckle out of me, though. Uh, Pat, let's go back to you with uh, another set of comments. The only thing that I kind of found, and I'll give this a what the, uh, or, you know, it's just, okay, so you're putting, the, he's got to shut down. Why does he got to shut down? <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen him shutting down. <laughs> that was going to be mine. In further bad design of skids. Yeah. Or does he get shut off completely if you break his window? But he has a button that can only (laughs) be accessed by a human that will turn him off completely that he apparently can't wake himself up from. Sorry to tell you. Yeah, the cowgirl didn't do that to him. I know. know, know. woke up from that, but this is dumb. Yeah. Here, here, turn me completely off so I can get towed away. I, I will say that it was awfully convenient. To the plot. (laughs) And then how do you not notice like a, you know, racetrack indie car in the parking lot of a motel? (laughs) A motel! And there's an indie car next to skids. Well, good point. see, um, on that one, at least they they were new Decepticons. They were Decepticons made on Earth. So this isn't somebody that skids would have immediately identified as a, as a combatant. That's for sure. sure. I, 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 but Donnie Finkelberg, come on. What, what's an indie car doing in a parking stall? But I mean, if you're a human, are you just going to automatically assume that every vehicle you pass now is a transformer? In if this were, world, if yes. Yeah, Finkelberg's seen some. He's seen some stuff, man. Yeah. He's seen more stuff than nobody should see. A freaking robotic panther shot a missile at him. Yeah, there you go. That's true. I certainly wouldn't go to the zoo anymore if I were done. <laughs> well, and then, okay, so, and Skids is tracking off of the energy, or, or what's he tracking the again here? The fuel blood that the Autobots left behind. Yeah, when they got taken away on the trucks, I uh, imagine someone must have been bleeding. Right. Okay, yeah. I was going to, okay, so then, okay, if he can sense that, I guess. He can he not sense, sense the other Decepticons? Or he I, can't sense it. Wheeljack created a device for it. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh, and, and that was Wheeljack who did that. Okay. Yeah. 
also presumably gave him that button just for helpful. <laughs> hey, if you need to go to sleep and really go to sleep, have your human push this. It's kind of like being put into a coma. Yeah, it's really. It's weird. It's a very strange design. Does choice. Optimus Prime got one of those? Why do they just, hey, once you hit my button, I'm going to heal up here. Probably not. Make sure you turn me back on. <laughs> just be sitting here if the Decepticons attack. Well, because well, in the implication, sure, no problem, Aloysius. <laughs> for a second, I thought Aloysius was Optimus Prime's middle name. That's what I thought too. <laughs> yeah, for a second there. Yeah, for in my head canon, it sure is now. Anyway, but like, <laughs> does that mean that Megatron has like? Does Megatron have a button you could push and then just turn him off? We could save ourselves so much trouble. So. Buttons. So, yes, about this issue, John, do you have any other comments? <laughs> <laughs> um, along the lines of the what, though, this plan that Megatron's got going seems to involve, a, 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 a yet again, a large amount of manpower for a questionable gain. Because this seemed to be one that, and I don't know if this has something to do with editor's changes, because this seems like the kind of thing that the editor would have like sent back. He goes, Bob, make this a little clearer. But it seems like Megatron's entire plan was based on the fact that there was a news report that Skids turned into a, a robot and helped a human and then and then went away. So that springs Megatron completely into action to create he well, he has the cons basically drop in his lap. Thank God he had those robots just you know, shells just hanging out there up against the wall. Well, that's what I was asking. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, just, Where have these guys been? Just waiting, they, waiting just in case this will happen. They, you know. they were there off panel. Sure. Mm. Yeah, going. <laughs> right. But in any case, so he gets these. And the first thing he sends them on is a mission that the whole point apparently is to, because remember, he Megatron doesn't know who Circuit Breaker is. And there's other Decepticons who do uh, probably aren't even thinking about her at this point because she hasn't shown up in a while. Yeah. So he's not there. The plan does not involve him engaging Circuit Breaker. They, they want to, and it winds up working out well for him. The plan seems to be to cause a big enough ruckus to have enough of a human response so that you can pretend to be on the same side as Skids. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that everybody thinks that we're all bad. And there aren't two um, two factions fighting. The only problem with that is the way they accomplish this is by shooting at the aerial bots, defending apparently defending skids from them, who then transform and they all merge into two robots who are quite obviously fighting with each other. Oh, so yeah. I don't know if they really achieved the plan they were going for. I mean, discrediting skids, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, discrediting the Autobots are confusing. I mean, they went with plan B, stand here and... While the um, fleshling stuns him and zap him and win that way, so you know, but good I, on I, them. But I, I think that they, I think as a human, you don't know who's who, though. Oh, I know. I don't begrudge Circuit Breaker her confusion over all of this. She's yeah. um, completely driven, as we've covered. She just before. wants them all. They want. She wants. Them she I wants do. Them. I blame her. I don't like her. Well, God, that was me <laughs> as a kid. But I hated her. I hate Circuit Breaker. I don't begrudge her, but I'm just saying. I don't know really know what Megatron was expecting to gain here unless he's just really doubling down on this PR mission. I am going to carry out them with or without Robot Master. So, few things. Um, actually, before I before I answer that, Maggie, why why Maggie and John, why don't you like Circuit Breaker? 
Oh, she keeps messing everything up. I like her. I mean, it was pretty cool that she was able to take Superion down with like one hit. That's pretty great. It's pretty impressive, but he's the good guy. It's it's her stubbornness. <laughs> like, I get it. I totally understand from like a human perspective. There are giant alien robots fighting on my planet. I don't want any of them here. I don't care if they think that they're the good guys or the bad guys. I want them off my planet. They also paralyzed her. But from, and they also, yeah. right, permanently injured her. From my yep. perspective as the reader, I how dare you not think this is the coolest <laughs> thing that's ever happened to you? You live in a world with giant alien robots, some of which are good guys who want to like help you and protect you and maybe take you on cool adventures if you ask real nicely. And she just annoys the crap out of me. I just I don't like circuit. Well, I, so I, what I will say is, I guess a couple couple of comments or fill-ins for what you guys are talking about. It took all of her energy and a blast from Minosaur's cannon to take out Superion. Yeah. So it wasn't just her, but it does. Show, it goes to show how powerful she she is because mm-hmm. I mean that's a just all robot big combiner and Superion falls. That's what it said in the book. I mean he was done. Um, so there was that part of it, <clears throat> and then uh, it, there's also they did a point where she was almost about to come around. Yes. And when then she got convinced. So what the Decepticons did, as soon as he's like, they were tearing up a path and then like, they weren't like, didn't know rat was going to be there, but saw what rat was doing and then blew the chaff away and everything. And then stood beside skids. And at that point, that was enough that it launched circuit breaker into action. And she's like, mm-hmm. nope, I'm done with all of this crap. All of them gots to go. <laughs> I'm yeah. not questioning what happened. I'm just saying from Megatron, what was Megatron's plan? He didn't know Rat was coming. He didn't know any of that stuff. I know why they did what they did, but it seemed to be that their plan was to, um, because they weren't standing around skids d- supposedly defending him to put on a show f- in response to the fact that circuit breaker was talking to Finkelberg. That was just part of their plan. Their plan was to make it look like we're on the same side. You don't see an advantage to having that for Megatron or for, yeah, Megatron. I'm just saying, I don't know what he thought, how he thought he was going to accomplish that that way. When the next thing you do is then engage in, because the whole pl- Megatron's whole plan is to make it look like, they're all on the same side. They're all controlled by Robot Blast, Robot Master. They're all aft, out for you. What happens immediately is the Stunticons, in their attempt to show that they're all on the same side, supposedly defend Skids from the aerial bots, thus cementing the fact that there are two that there are two factions. They then even further cement this by turning into robots and fighting against each other. Yeah, so if- I I disagree with you to a point in that. You have like because the aerial bots weren't a part of the plan either. Rat wasn't a part of the plan. The aerial bots weren't a part of the plan. So once the aerial bots saw what was going on and attacked, the you know the Stunticons had no choice but to defend themselves on that. Uh, so yep, it kind of blew a hole in their plan. But at the same time, that plan worked because what it did was turn a human faction completely against the Autobots, and it and and enabled. The Decepticons to get away. So I do see what you're saying, though. Like, well, I mean, what long term was it a, a big strategy? I'd say, I'd say yes and no. 
I can see why you can say it failed, but I can see from a PR perspective how it was effective. Because, I mean, if I were a human there and I just saw robots blasting at each other, I might come to the conclusion that all robots are bad, too. And because the, the waters are certainly muddied. And, hey, if I need to get on that bypass or that <laughs> on-ramp the next day and I can't for the next two years, it's like, I'd be like those damn robots. And not, you know, those damn bad robots did that. It would have been just all the robots. That's a lot of talking for me. Uh, does anyone else have uh, stuff to add? Pat, you've been quiet for a while. You got any uh, burning I like, comments to add or more stuff? I like how the Stunticons were able to stop Circuit Breaker's plan with the with the metal chafe so that she was going to try to control them. You know, they, they got... The Autobots got fooled once, and now their faces are all on wall. But now these Stunticons aren't going to get fooled by that. They were able to, you know, protect themselves from her trying to take take them all down at one time. It kind of speaks to the quick thinking of Motormaster, right? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like Motormaster. He is brutally effective at what he did, and he assessed that situation quickly. Like, I don't know what this is, but it, it clearly... Yeah, it ain't good. So get rid of it. And they got rid of it and then went immediately after the thing that shot the or sent out the bad thing that he just got rid of. And I was like, pretty effective. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cer- certainly more short term and strategically effective than, say, Megatron's mobile position. So in the field, Motormaster's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And how many bigger robots are there now? You have the Aerobots, the Stunticons, Constructicons. Three so far. Three, and then what about Omega Supreme? How he still doesn't count huh? <laughs> as a big robot. He's a big robot, yes, but he's not a combiner technically. But is and he that, big as a combiner? Huh? Is he as big as a combiner? You asked this last issue. I don't <laughs> know. Keep asking. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the last issue. Then why is Supreme in his that. name then? Because he is. He's one of those. Isn't he considered a titan? What? No, no, there's there's no he's not even that. He's super old. Pat just asked how many big robots. He didn't ask how many combiners. I thought he meant well, combiners when he said Nobody big. really knows what Pat means. Because, <laughs> yes, Omega Supreme is absolutely a very big robot. Yes, yes Omega Supreme is very big. Even though he, com- he is like a rocket and a tank and the tracks combined, he's technically not a combiner robot because, right. like, the tank and the um, rocket are all a part of the one yeah. robot Omega yeah. Supreme, as opposed mm-hmm. to most of the combiner robots having separate five or six separate personalities. But I'm saying size wise, I don't know. <laughs> Is yeah, that in the, the specs at all? They're the same size. They're roughly the same, supposed to be about the same size. I want height measured in feet, yes. and I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I want it measured in buildings. Is it a three story, four story? What kind yeah, of there, you there you go. There you go. Uh, I'm, I'm going to leave that to Google um, I, and putting that beyond the scope of the show. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, Pat. We did let you down on this one. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you guys are supposed to be helping it, me here. And it's fine. I'm going to sleep. Okay. Tonight. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> so, John, I'm not, I'm going to be confused. I'm going to, what's going on here? Oh, I don't understand this. It's okay. I'll just press your red power button and put you right. And put him in a coma. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Problem solved. John, Maggie, 
Do either of you have any other burning or pressing comments about the issue? I was going to add, it's not like a burning or a pressing thing, but just to have something to say. Go for it. <laughs> Normally, I think it's kind of funny um, and a little jarring whenever they introduce new Transformers and they have that panel, the obligatory panel with everyone saying their own names, mm-hmm. introduce themselves to the readers. But in this case, I was actually very glad that they did it. And they did it more than once because I, I think they go through all the Stunticons names twice. Yes. And they also go through the Aerial Bots names, I believe, also twice. After they get rematrixified, mm-hmm. um, you get all their names again. And I was very appreciative of that because when I went into this, I'm like, okay, so there's the regular cast plus the Aerial Bots plus now the Stunticons are brand new. And then we've got Menasaur and Superion as well. So that's a lot of new names. To keep that, track of that is a lot of new names that in and amongst cool. a lot of exposition and a lot of plot that's going on too. So I was actually really happy to have the repeated names. Not that I've got them burned into my memory forever now, anyhow. But during the course of reading the book, at least I was able to keep it straight a little bit more about who was who. Well, yep. if you can't remember who they are, don't worry. We <laughs> don't see them ever again. After this issue. <laughs> Such Either. is the way. Yep, there were more toys to get uh, through, so... But, as is, pretty good story, right? Mm-hmm. Now's the time for us to talk about who had the touch, where we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, be it Autobot, Decepticon, or Human. Please let me know who had the touch. My choice for the touch for this episode is going to be Skids. A couple reasons. Number one, he had to put up with whiny crybaby Donnie Finkelberg the whole time. (laughs) It was super annoying. And he helped the nice lady in the van who got trapped under the telephone wires when they fell down during the rainstorm. Mm -hmm. And... I, I at, at first thought that this was a really strange decision, but when the fight breaks out between Superion and Menasaur, um, Skids stays as a van and doesn't transform. And he had said about like being stuck in traffic and he doesn't like that and everything. And I was like, well, why don't you just transform into a giant robot and go help your buddies? But I, I think the idea was that there were too many people around and he didn't want to risk accidentally squishing somebody, perhaps transforming into a robot again. I'm not sure, but he stays as a van the whole time. And if it is, in fact, because he was trying to save people from getting injured, that is another reason I'm choosing Skids. See, I would have thought the reason would be that he would have gotten hammered. (laughs) Other other Autobots were there. It was just him and Donnie Finkelberg on the highway. And to be fair to Skids as well, his mission was to go find the other Autobots. And Optimus kept them on that mission because after even after superior fell it's like uh i'm gonna have to put a band-aid on you real quick and i gotta go ahead and continue with my mission because that's what optimus told me to do so well and now more than ever seven more new autobots for their ranks would be a really good thing to have yeah absolutely since they keep falling like flies no kidding they have the worst security Bombshell manages to sneak in on Silverbolt and gets inside their leader, and d- no one notices that. Like you guys have had all this time, you never beef up your security. Yeah, they. I think it, it's the same security guard that's mon- was monitoring that Ooh, power man. plant before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they they need the um, Autobot version of of Raid, some sort of you know yeah. Insecticon repellent to get rid of Bombshell. 
Maybe we'll find out about that next issue. Uh, I'll be honest, it's a little hazy for me because I'll even reading this one, I think this may have been the first or second time I read it. I have not read this one too often. So um, I had it in the collection, but I haven't read it that often. Anyway, Pat, who had the touch? I am going to go with Motormaster. Why? I think he had the touch because I've, I've mentioned it before because he was able to see through Circuit Breaker's plan to try to what all that shrapnel or, or whatever that was that was coming down. He was smart enough to know that it wasn't it wasn't good for them. So he had another one of the Stundicons, you know, with the power with the air gun or whatever, just kind of blast that stuff away. So I think he was the smarter one here. Good choice, sir. John, who had the touch? I am also giving the touch to Motormaster uh, for those reasons. He's actually probably the best uh, behaving Decepticon in terms of what a Decepticon is supposed to do that we've seen this side of maybe Shockwave. I mean, this guy is less than an hour old, and he's done something that uh, we haven't seen a Decepticon do before, which is he doesn't underestimate humans. Mm-hmm. Every other Decepticon ever has like, well, they're humans. What are they going to do? Well, they're going to wind up defeating him. It, it was a great way, you know, action movie-wise. We've already seen earlier in the thing what this what this is capable of, what this this foil stuff. And they're like, nope, don't want any of that. So good on you, Motormaster. You get the touch. Let's make it three out of four. I I like Motormaster. I like Motormaster's design. I like that he is a devastatingly effective leader. He really is. Mm-hmm. And John's going to get into it a little bit with Transformer Spotlight. I did some uh, advanced reading on that, but and he he's he's a fantastic leader. I mean, and his group of like, you know, destruction level Decepticons, he does very well at, you know, smashing people and getting people the heck out of the way. So Thumbs up for Motormaster there. Uh, he did have the touch. And if we are going to talk about the touch, then we equally have to talk about the people that were out of touch. We talk about the character that was the worst in the book, and they should be put on the cover, surrounded by characters that they will never meet in a segment called Less Than Meets the Eye. This was almost too easy, Starscream. Much easier, almighty Megatron, than attacking the real threat. The Autobots Moonbase! You're an idiot, Starscream! John, to you, who was less than meets the eye? I am going to uh, probably might start a trend and give it to Donnie Finkelberg. Uh, he was doing so well, <laughs> but when the chips were down, he literally made a self-serving decision. What was it, for 50 grand he would have got? Which is mm-hmm. already 50 grand. <laughs> It, it, it has been following his arc. It's all been about Donnie Finkelberg taking more and more um, questionable decisions for increasing amounts of money. So uh, this is going to all come to a head next issue, and we'll see where that goes. But in this time, during this step the way, Donnie, you are less than meets the eye. Maggie, who do you have? Uh, I'm going to prove that John was right when he said that he thought he was going to start a trend because I'm also going to give my less than meets the eye to Donnie Finkelberg. He whined the whole time. He was completely ineffective. He led them to where the Autobots were, which he had seen, I assume, days ago and seemed surprised that they weren't in the same location as they were when he left them. And then... He spends the whole time complaining about his money and whining about having to spend time with the Autobots. And then, like John was saying, he he starts to try to explain to Circuit Breaker that some of the Transformers are good and some of the Transformers are bad. And then he goes and sells them down the river in the last panel. I was like, Donnie, 
<laughs> I was with you right until that last panel. Oh, it was so slimy, wasn't it? Oh, he really is slimy. So yeah, he definitely gets less than meets the eye. I mean, how are you just going to power down skids like that and then just tell them on it? That's just... <laughs> Pat, are you, are you joining us on the Donnie train or are you going to a, a different station? No, I am joining you guys on the Donnie train. Uh, I'm actually inside. We're all inside skids. I'm in the back. Um, you know, on the back of skids here, passenger with you guys in the Donnie train. But my reason is, is like I mentioned before, come on, Donnie, you've been on the earth. How many years now, Donnie, that you don't recognize an indie sports car sitting in outside a, a motel? Come on, man. Look, Pat, maybe like a NASCAR driver. Got like, you know, a nice young lady and then like they were in a hurry. And so they said, let's go to the motel. Why am I making up? In this <laughs> I don't know. But yes. Uh, less than meets the eye. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're going to go four for four there. Like, especially at the end. I'm like, oh, dude, like you just sold the Autobots up the river. And, and for what? Like. I mean, and just basically so he can get more money is the answer. So I'm just like, because like, especially from someone who knows and Donnie is not one of the normal humans who can't tell Mm -hmm. the difference between a good robot and a bad robot. He knows that there are heroic Autobots and there are malevolent Decepticons and Mm -hmm. he still chose to call the government is like, you know what? I cash in and I give you one of those bad robots. Sitting there, right out in the parking lot by the racing car. Yeah. <laughs> he had yeah. I, he had everything he needed when he was with Megatron. He had all the chocolate bars he could eat. That's right. <laughs> he had an entire vending machine. Yeah. <laughs> all he needed to do was ask, you know, maybe Ravage. He could ride on the back of Ravage, send him to a bank, cash the check that's been sitting in his pocket this whole time. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he doesn't even have a deep motivation. His motivation is purely to make money for himself. Yeah. There's no, like, revenge here. There's no personal vendetta. There's nothing going on. It's He just wants to make money. There are plenty of people in the world that that would be their sole motivation. That's why I don't like him. Uh, And he explained, he did explain that he was basically broke, but still... He had 25 grand sitting in his pocket in the form of a cashier's check, <laughs> which is a, a cashier's <laughs> check from the army. <laughs> I know because, and for another reason, I forgot to mention why I chose skids for my more than meets the eye because of that scene where he picks up Donnie and like holds him down on the ground with a finger and takes his wallet from him. <laughs> and then gives his wallet to Optimus Prime. He's like, we're just going to hang on to this for you until, you know, we're done with our successful mission. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. Spent a lot of time with Charlene. Enough time to figure out what money is that's important. It knows what's up. That was a nice observation by an anthropologist in an alien world. Very good. Yes. Look at us bringing up stuff from issues past. I think we're done with issue 22, so let's rate it. Here on Transformers Chronicles, we rate things on a scale of 1 to 10, like the tech specs. You may have heard me say that before, but just like Pat, who doesn't pay attention in our episodes, maybe you weren't listening earlier. (laughs) 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 And we will start with the aforementioned Pat. Please, Pat, 1 to 10, what would you rate this issue of Transformers? 
Yeah, so the cover. I didn't know that they were actually. I will hit you. <laughs> oh, we're doing the the reading. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't listening. I'm sorry, Dylan. No, I know. Yeah, you know, it's it's a thing. You're, yeah, something something. I wasn't paying really. I pressed that red button too much. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving this an eight. I really did enjoy it. I liked the character building that was done. The story plots that were kind of continuing on here, and the art was very good. Fantastic, John. What would you rate it? I will rate it an eight for exactly the same reasons that Pat just said. Okay. So need to elaborate on no, no, need, so, <laughs> no need at all, but Ma- Maggie, I'm going to challenge you to rate it in fewer words than that. <laughs> I rate this book an eight. Well done. I, I can't. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would rate the book. You know what? I think everyone rated it an eight, and I'm going to keep it at an eight, too. It was a good story. It, it provided a lot of action. It continued to advance plot lines. I left with a healthy hatred of Donnie Finkelberg, <laughs> <laughs> which, which meant that I cared about what was happening in the book. And I am interested yeah. in seeing what happens in issue 23 because I don't remember. So it gives me something to look forward to for next recording, for reading of the next issue. All of those are very good things. We can and never will leave you without John's segment called Transformer Spotlight, where he discusses a particular Transformer, which was featured in today's issue. It's all yours, John. I was going to do Menasaur to like dovetail in with Superion last time, but Motormaster's card is just too cool. Plus, he was so great in this issue. So here we go. Uh, Motormaster's allegiance is Decepticon. His function is Stunticon leader. And his motto is, these wheels are made for crushing, which is coincidentally the lesser known follow-up act for uh, Nancy Nancy Sinatra. Sinatra. (laughs) (laughs) Wheels on the truck. Go chomp, chomp, chomp. All right. No one on the road is colder and crueler. Shows no mercy to Autobots who happen to be on the highway with him. Seeks to destroy Optimus Prime so he can claim to be king of the road. On the road! On the road! King of the road. (laughs) Can survive a collision with anyone except Optimus Prime. I'm beginning to see where his motivations are. And Kit, I would imagine. Kit? There was that one episode of Knight Rider you made me watch. Sorry. Keep going. The one with his brother, his evil brother, and he has a this is the big truck, right? And they have semi- Goliath, yeah, and they have yeah. to hit each other. Goliath, yeah. yeah. Ooh, yeah. And Michael's brilliant plan was, uh, I don't know, hit him. Right, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see. Reaches a top speed of 140 miles per hour and can shatter a 20-foot concrete block. Uses a 400-mile-per-hour wind-producing cyclone gun. Forms robot Menasaur with fellow Stunticons. Uh, his stats on a scale of 1 to 10, his strength is a 9, his intelligence is a 6, his speed is 5, his endurance is 10, his rank is 7, his courage is 9, his firepower is 7, and his skill is 4. So just, not a very good driver then. Well, no, but he once he's more in the 
drive fast and hard in a straight line. Yeah, I, straight line. I like the idea of the fact that he wants to defeat Optimus Prime so he can be king of the road. I prefer to think that this is just something that he came up with himself, that Optimus Prime has no idea what's Absolutely. It's not like Optimus Prime calls himself king of the road. I was wondering about that. I'm like, who do you think you're competing against? Although that might be fun if Optimus Prime also took this incredibly seriously and he's like, I've got to keep myself going. I don't want to lose my king of the road. <laughs> I actually think it's more of A than B because it makes more sense that Minasaur has like this huge big fight set up in his head it's like ooh, yeah. and then I'm gonna get with Optimus and Optimus like ooh and Optimus <laughs> like who is Motormaster? <laughs> yes, absolutely, I love it. Who are Optimus you? Optimus is like who dares go against me, Optimus Aloysius Prime? Yes. Well, he, he doesn't right. say that. I imagine it's because he's the only other Transformer that turns into a semi-truck. Yeah, exactly. And yes. so he's got semi-truck envy. Yes. Yeah. He, in fact, transforms into a black Kenworth K100E sleeper cab pulling a silver high cube box trailer. Um, he has six rolling wheels on the toy at the mm. time they were rubber. Mm. And the front cab wheels and both track tractor axles. His trailer is decorated in stickers with purple stripes and Decepticon symbols mimicking the design of Optimus Prime. Uh, he can transform into a base mode also, splitting the cab and trailer front in half and unfolding the rear of the trailer to, re to reveal a ramp and deck, uh, which is cool. You could drive the other Stunicon cars up and down over it. It was a really good, impressive toy. Where uh, we go. The deck has a flat... Uh, back plate inset into it, covering an intended car launcher mechanism. The mechanism was included in the Takara Japanese release. Uh, Motormaster's ma transformation and robot mode are unique in that this cab is permanently attached to the trailer and simply used as the robot's feet while the trailer forms the bulk of the robot. This leads Motormaster to have a very blocky robot form going so far as to have his molded chest plate and purple face set into the box-like sections of his body. Uh, he can wield the large purple rifle and chrome sword in this mode, uh, and he transforms into the torso of Menasaur by pressing his arms against his body, pivoting his thighs outward, and rotating his cab feet back. And then you put the head over the top of his head as a mask, and then the roller car mounts as the chest plate as well as the large waist plate. It was so complicated. So complicated. He was great. The Stunicons, like the Aerial Bot, were part of that Scramble City group of combiners where they technically, any of the limb robots could combine with any of the bosses, and any of them could be arms or legs. Mm. It was cool. So that's... Mix and um, match. Manasaur, um shows up a lot more on the cartoon than he does uh, here. I don't think we ever get to see him again. I think the... Um, oh, what a couple waste. Of, it, it is a really confusing waste, but basically from this point on, uh, it becomes all of my... I think we get a, a new character introduced almost every issue between now and the end of it. So, <laughs> so they don't have time to keep the old ones around. But at least we had Motormaster while we did, and he put on a pretty good showing. There was, and I'm surprised you didn't mention it. You, I remember from the cartoon distinctly, there was a showdown between Motormaster right. and Optimus Prime. It went about how you'd think it would. Yep. Like, but they, they, they stretched it out over two uh, episodes where the end of the episode had Optimus Prime and Motormaster going head to head, like driving at each other at full speed. Yep. <laughs> and then sure enough, the next episode came out and Motormaster was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Optimus, 
And Optimus was like, I think I chipped the windshield wiper. <laughs> now it's time for transmissions where we heap praise upon the audience for listening to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. We will be reading social media like shares and retweets from Transformers episode 21, where we discuss Transformers issue 21. And we will start with social media like shares and retweets from Aaron Head Moss. Austin Kuykendall. Benjamin Gopnik. Big Muffs Comics. Yeah. Bradford William. Chris Lydon. Chuck Rodriguez. Clinton Robinson. One of Clinton Robinson's podcasts, Coffee and Comics. Derek William Crabb. Dorian Gray. Ed Moore. <laughs> I was like, is he getting older or younger? Uh, go yeah. ahead. I thought that was really Sorry. impressive for a painting, yeah. Ed Moore. Fan Film Friday's podcast. Gene Hendricks. Green Lantern HG. Hal Jordan. History of Comics on Film. So appropriate that I would get this name. Ivan Chudley. Hello, Ivan. <laughs> it's Cooley. It's Ivan Cooley. From now on, anytime I'm going to like mispronounce someone's last name, I'm just going to say Cooley every time. doesn't matter what the last name is. That's just what I'm going to say. I think that works. Next up is Jared Albrecht. Some people call him Death Row. Jessica Wilkes. Joe Crow. Keith Black. Matthew Laub. Mauricio Cafiero. Max Reads Comics. Michael Bailey. Mike Smith. Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout. Mr. Toon. Philip Ohio. Or Philip, Philip O, I would imagine. (laughs) But it's O, Agent Capital Letters, so I'm assuming it's Philip Ohio, the whole town. Come now, Maggie, don't use this whole Christian name like that. It's Philip (laughs) Maggie, you know when you start assuming what the pronunciation of the last name is. Every time. When I see an O and an H in capital letters, I read Ohio. I think it's Philip O. It's Oli. I think it's so, full of hydroxide. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Howell. Roger Preby. Sure. Ryan Daly. Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. That's Sean. Hi, Sean. The Hammer Strikes. And sneaky stuff. Fan looks like some voiceover work, too, as well. Bernard. CD or DVD for Christmas. Crusaders. Good man. Bernard Jeffries. And we will move on to social media comments from uh, Green Lantern HG says, great episode, everybody. Almost like opening presents on Christmas Day. I think the aerial bots are iconic because they took the skies back from the Decepticons, except Megatron. Hashtag Thanks. Megatron can fly. Thanks. That's important. That <laughs> Apparently he can fly in in gun mode. He just floats around. Because that makes sense. I could go on about how that was um, shrapnel's magnetism, you know, using his... Nope, we don't have time for that. We should move on to the next comment. (laughs) Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout, I assume I'm supposed to read this one, says, I just want to say, I really like Transformers 2. I think he's maybe angling to get on the show, possibly. Maybe. We probably should have him on. <laughs> maybe We've had so much fun with the pronunciation of his state. We probably owe him that, right? Or a gone. I think maybe. we should bring him on for 26, because much like his podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, uh, it deals with someone that is given superpowers from alien technology. Oh, okay. Now I'm remembering. But speaking of, and by the way, we should definitely keep this on the show. We owe, we owe Jason too. Jason's been, he li- he likes listening to the show and he wants to be back on it. So oh, we, yeah, we gotta have Jason on. Gotta have Jason on too. 
in any event, everyone, thank you so much for your likes, shares, and comments. If we happen to miss a few, we do apologize. Uh, sometimes we do forget. Sometimes we may skip an issue or two, but we still love you all the same. We promise. Just ping us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and we will correct it next issue. Or maybe the next issue after that. But we'll get to it. We promise. And that's the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue 23, where we find out about the fate of Skids again. And we get introduced to the Battle Chargers, Run About, and Run Amok. If you like to hear from us, the Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. You can find us on Apple Tunes, Google Play, Anchor, most podcatchers to include Spotify at www.longboxcrusade.com. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Longbox Crusade. We have a Patreon at Longbox Crusade, and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel where we have a do it live stream once a month, every second Sunday, and we're introducing some new content coming up in the future. You can also email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. Special shout out to our Crusaders Club members. We appreciate your love and support. If you would like to join our Crusaders Club, we would love to have you. Membership starts at only $1 a month, and we put out a lot of shows, y'all, not just Transformers Chronicles, but all over the place. If you go to Longbox Crusades feed, we got shows for you. So we also would like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Omaha Bound Entertainment, who, while they're presently on break from hard binding, they normally do hard binding for those special comic books in your collection. They got some other things going on right now. Check them out on omahabound.com and go see what the fun's all about there. Pat, please tell us where you can be found on social media. Well, Delvin, I am glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. John? Uh, if you like Transformers, catch Maggie and I on the Rod Pod. Uh, where we talk about IDW Transformers Phase 2 comics, more or less in order. Uh, we also do our podcast, which we have rebranded as Married Watching Cartoons, where the two of us uh, take turns showing each other cartoons from our youth and ones we've found since. You can find that under our regular Married with Comics feed. And I am on Twitter at MWC underscore podcast. And I am at Maggie N. The Rain. Pass your bop and go ahead. <laughs> she was watching cartoons. <laughs> never be the same. That is a contractual obligation. We must do it. I can be found on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. See y'all next time. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings to all are one. Till all, all are one. Love will find a way, just give it time. I saw you. You got nine in your head. Just yeah. a point of order. Yeah. Charcuterie is derived from the French words for cooked flesh. Oh. <laughs> it basically means cooked flesh. Yeah. I like wood board better. It, yeah. It, wood it board with meat. What was the order? I didn't. No, it was supposed to be Pat, John, That's me, what I thought Del too. I said, pay attention to that. You, and then you go, yeah, oh, remember uh, that. And then you started. Yeah, so and we will start Johnny. with, and we will start with social media like shares and retweets from. You broke, John. Mm. It's your turn next. <laughs> okay, where'd it go? Nope. Angelica Fetty Wolf. It's Angelica. Angelica Fetty Wolf.
In a world transformed. The Transformers. I do this every time. Sorry. More than meets the eye. I can rate this book in two <laughs> syllables. You remember, you remember that? You remember naming that tune, right? Pat remembers. No. You know they're bringing it back. They are yeah. bringing it back. Yeah. I've heard commercials for it already. I have been, I have been talking about that for years. I'm like, of all the shows that they can bring back, they should bring back Name That Too. And sure enough, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I want to be on that show. That was the one I always wanted to be on as a kid. I'm like, oh, I, I wanted to be on The Price is Right. Name that tune though. They had like the band, and the band would play the songs. Great. Oh, oh, I see. I remember, man. I want to watch some old school. Name that tune. If I could, if I could ask Motormaster one thing, I would ask him, "What's his price for flight?" Because he's motoring. Motoring, Mister Wright. You motoring. What's your price for flight? I watched you that up. <laughs> Be alright tonight. We don't sound bad. We the song that got us lost. Is that the song that, that got us turned on Wisconsin Rapids? We were driving down to Madison <laughs> on the back roads and we were like way into that Night Ranger song and we went straight when we were supposed to turn left and wound up in Wisconsin Rapids. Yeah, and then we could never leave. You can't get out of Wisconsin Rapids. I don't nope. know if you know that. You got to find the right portal and it'll teleport you out of the city, but it takes you a long <laughs> time to find it. Forever. It's not a big town. Nobody. The Rapids were cool. We saw them all. We did get to see them. Sorry, anyways. Closing the show. (laughs) Focusing. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. And it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics.